Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that may be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Alright, hey, welcome back to uh, one of your favorite editions of the B-Side podcast, uh, which is live from the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's Matt and John. Can they keep it between the lines? Ooh, nice. There's all kinds of metaphors, I guess, for that. Yeah, well. Yeah. Good to be with you guys. And yes, we are uh, heading west on the Pennsylvania Turnpike back from uh, Liberty Newtown Square this morning. Yeah, a little little, uh, Liberty Network uh, meeting. So it was good to be out there with those guys. And uh, yeah. It was, a, it was a good time. Always always enjoy seeing the Philly guys. That's right. Yeah, we, uh, man, big uh, big day with uh, the book of Acts, chapter 5 yesterday. Feels like, John, we're always, uh, there's always like 10 other things we probably could talk about or at least talk about more than we get to in a sermon. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, uh definitely was feeling that was feeling that yesterday um but yeah, man like a ton of content we didn't um we didn't even jump into like the end you briefly mentioned it like the end of chapter uh four yeah into five uh, but like there's still even in just five yeah it was just a ton of ton of stuff to work through so um yeah it may not we may have not have even like touched on something that you thought would have been would have been like super important or why didn't they get more into that so hopefully we'll address some of those things today yeah i only had one question really come in matt um and so that question being could you explain the arrest and imprisonment powers of the high priest and the sadducees was there a deal worked out with the roman the roman emperor uh, with the high priest to arrest people for religious crimes and had them held in Roman prisons. Was that part of the way Rome kept the peace by allowing the high priest to have limited powers, maintaining a vestige of their previous culture? Man, that is a great question. And um, the kind of question that really gets you into that world of for the first century and how that worked itself out in the Roman Empire with different... Um, different cultures that were conquered under Roman rule. Mm -hmm. Which were almost all the cultures. Yeah. I mean, the ones that we know a lot about, at least, because the history's been preserved. That's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, that's a great question. I actually was going to get ready to reach for my History of the New Testament, New Testament Times book, a book written by a scholar named F.F. Bruce, which was incredibly helpful to me. But, John, as we were talking about this, this is more fresh in your mind than even from your time when you got to tour to tour Israel, so uh, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, help walk us through that, John. Like, what what was the relationship there? Of course, as this this questioner uh, pointed out, the Roman Empire was ruling these lands were right. over the Jewish people, uh, but they did allow some degree of rule. Uh, we wouldn't necessarily call it autonomy, but some kind of rule right. among the Jewish leaders themselves. So maybe yeah, unpack yeah, a little bit more yeah, about from, that. From what I remember um, reading and some of the some of the things we even saw when we were in Israel, um, like. What Rome would do is Rome would come in um, and 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 definitely rule and reign over a people like they would be the authority, but they also um, 
they also would allow them to maintain semblances of their own culture um, and you know to to simplify things really very simply is like Rome was in it for the taxes <laughs> right they're in it for the money yeah uh, they wanted to tax people uh, make sure that their investments as they have taken over these areas were um, were were protected so like they would still maintain a sense of like authority in those regions um, but the taxes were there like that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what they were in it for yeah uh, about them dollars uh, and so <laughs> must be the money yeah uh, so like so they would allow them to maintain a lot of their their cultural influence and, and part of that cultural influence is uh, is found in the um, the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling um, religious body of, of Jerusalem and the Jews, right? Yeah. So the Sanhedrin, we talked about even last week, is a ruling group of 71 individuals. Uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ruling elders of the 12 tribes, and some of the scribes. And so these individuals would, um, as we've seen throughout Acts so far, and even in the Gospels, um, would would try people for their religious crimes. And I don't believe they were, um, what we see in the Gospels is, I don't believe they were allowed to execute anyone without Roman uh, rule and authority. Um, but they were allowed to imprison and, and enact different types of um, punishments on folks. And so it was, it was really interesting when we were in, in Jerusalem and we were actually following like, the steps of Jesus and where Jesus went um, uh, on the night of his arrest. And we ended up going into the high priest's house. Uh, and, and at the basement of the high priest's house is a jail cell. It's like this, huh. it's a dungeon looking place. Huh. It's, it's not very large. It's, uh, it's probably 20 feet uh, in diameter. Uh, it's a circle down some, down some very primitive stairs. And then um, there's some other cells in there as well. But like they, they thought that this was the place that uh, Jesus would have been kept after he was arrested until the high priest and the, the, uh, the Sanhedrin got together to discuss um, you know, yeah, his, his, what, what his punishment would be. Yeah. And so outside of his home would have been where Peter would have denied Jesus three times. There's a statue of Peter there. Um, it's, it's, a fa- it's fascinating um, to see, but, but that being like um, a, that was probably more of the Jewish and that's a semi, um, that, <laughs> a, a, a Jewish prison as opposed to a Roman prison. So they, they probably would have had some shared uh, authority in the area and using those things for um, for their you know, shared purposes. But uh, from what I can remember in my experiences, I believe that it was, um, yeah, the, the religious leader's ability to, to try and to deal out punishments within within the Roman uh, expectation. Like, yeah. you're not allowed to kill anybody. If you're going to kill somebody, we need to be a part of that. That's right. That's the, they the really clear enjoyed, line. Yeah, was, they really enjoyed yeah. the, those pieces. Well, like that's you even see that in the trial of Jesus, that they accuse him of blasphemy, but then they have to go to Pontius Pilate to get the permission to execute. They didn't right. have... So they had authority, but up, only up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, I think you're... I, you I know, think they could beat people. They yeah. could, um, yeah. you know, depending on on what their punishments were. They could, you know, divvy out property and, and um, 
you know, if there's if there's different types of um, disputes among neighbors, they could deal with some of those things. But yeah, um, they, I don't believe they were allowed to execute any kind of uh, judgments as far as uh, killing folks. You know, yeah. So they left that up to the Romans. And John, you you know you had, you had mentioned this as well. We're we're familiar with this concept already in Pennsylvania because. The old Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia. Yes, this is yeah. It, this is the maybe the modern day parallel. We yes. had we had our own courthouse underneath Veteran Stadium, right. where yeah. Philly fans, as they're sometimes wanted to do, yeah, acting up a little bit at sporting events, they would go right underneath the stadium, get their get go, their yeah. conviction punishment doled out there. Yeah, there's a judge in the basement, I believe. <laughs> so like, um, the old vet was the temple for. <laughs> people from philly and uh-huh. so like that's, that's kind of true yeah that's yeah. You know, yeah you've got you have your sanhedrin um <laughs> you know and oh, so man. yeah no that, i think that's yeah it was kind of an in-house an in-house situation especially yeah. if you did something at the temple it's you know i don't know how much rome was involved with what happened at the temple i think they would probably want to stay mostly out of that yeah um because it is a is a religious center for the jewish people yeah so yeah that's, that was, that's helpful that's yeah, good, yeah hopefully that's helpful good clarification hopefully uh, it's right <laughs> yeah no i think that no i think that what you said there makes a lot of sense and certainly that rome was primarily interested in the people being kind of submissive and paying the taxes like that yeah. was their primary thing and so there is a measure of which you you leave some power in the hands of local um Authorities from those civilizations, from those cultures, um, kind of as kind of like a almost in some sense like a dummy like a dummy government. You let them have perceived authority and the actual authority, but underneath yours, and it, yeah. it keeps them more uh, it keeps them less likely from revolting against right. the empire's overall rule. Yeah, I'm, I mean, in in ways like you, know, you remember the movie Three Hundred? I do. Yeah. So like. That was the whole the whole thing about like this incoming, um, you know, the Persian, the port. Persian, yeah, the Persians wanting to overtake. Um, gosh, the uh, I'm, why am I losing the name? The Spartans, the Spartans, the Spartans, the Spartans. Yeah. yeah, the Spartans. Yeah. And so like they would, um, they're like, hey, we'll, you know, just bow the knee. Look, Gerard Butler would be kicking you in a pit right now right, for forgetting yes, that. So. Yes, I'm, All right. I'm sorry, <laughs> Gerard. I apologize. But, like, you bow the knee. Like, you can keep your culture, you can keep your stuff, just pay us taxes. Yeah. And, like, bow the knee to us. Right. So, in many ways, that was a very, that was a very, it's an ancient concept of ruling a people. Uh, and then whenever, like, you know, the a, a war would happen, they would be able to recruit with inside of your people, you know, to be a military force as well. So yeah, ancient practices 101. Uh, not a seminary class, but no, that's good. So you brought up John. I think this good point too. So the Sanhedrin, this ruling body, consisted of two parties: the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And we see in Acts chapter five, the Sadducees are the ruling party. They're they're the majority in the Sanhedrin at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, so the they chief- were also mostly politically affiliated. With Rome, with Rome, they had a lot of more sympathizers to to Rome. They were right. more okay with Roman rule. Yeah. Uh, we'll see the Sadducees and the Pharisees again in the Book of Acts. The Sadducees are um, they don't believe in the resurrection. Right. Uh, the Pharisees do. There's some differences theologically even there between them. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, Acts five, and we didn't even really get to talk about this at all yesterday in the sermon. 
Acts 5 introduces us, you know, the end of Acts 4 introduces us to an important character we'll meet again named Barnabas. Barnabas. Acts 5 introduces us to an important character we'll meet again named Gamaliel, yes. who is a Pharisee, so the minority party mm-hmm. in the San, but a member of the Sanhedrin, right. and apparently a very well-respected one, yes. because he actually, from a human standpoint, um, is the reason, probably, that the 12 apostles are not killed on the spot yeah. uh, by the Sanhedrin yeah. when Peter gives his his now familiar defense of saying, you know, you you crucified Jesus, his blood yeah. is on your hands. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to continue to proclaim and be witnesses to his resurrection. Yeah, no, he, he for sure spoke up. And I think he was, you know, he was, uh, he was hedging his bets. He's like, look, you know, historically speaking, these things just happen. Like there's uprises, people go off, and then they all die, and we don't hear from them again. This, you know, and I think wisely, you know, I, I love what he said. I highlighted it in, uh, in my Bible was like, you know, if this is of God, it'll stick around. Yeah. You won't be able to stop it. You won't it. be able to stop it. Yeah. And so uh, here we are 2,000 years later. Guess who's sticking around, folks? Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the Christ followers. And yeah. so, like, you know, praise be to God that, like, he would be even, be even able to see prophetically, like, that, you know, whether he was seeing this prophetically or not, but he'd have the wisdom to say, like, what God establishes yeah. and what God um, is doing will never be able to be destroyed. And, yeah. and uh, ironically enough, like, Gamaliel was actually um, in chapter 4 mentioned because um, when Peter and John leave the the, um, the Sanhedrin and go out and, like, they have, like, this little side discussion, yeah. it's, we're unclear of how that information about what happened in that meeting yeah. actually transpired. Uh, a lot of commentators believe that Gamaliel actually, one of two things, either Gamaliel talked to Paul because Gamaliel was Paul's mentor, right, or that Paul himself was on that um, Sanhedrin council. Because it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ruling elders of each tribe, and some scribes. And so Paul could have been a Pharisee, right? Or he could have been a part of, like, the, the scribal council, depending on where huh. he was yeah. um, in his uh, yeah. plight to, you know, being a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was the zealous young man. Yeah. He references his story later, Acts 22 or 23, and that's where he, he pays specific tribute to Gamaliel as... Uh, the one at whose feet he studied under his years of, uh, of early Judaism. Gamaliel was the, the rabbi, in a sense, at which, at which Paul learned, uh, at whose feet Paul learned. Um, and so a very important figure um, in, the, in, in early Judaism, in first century Judaism, but, uh, but also in the early church because he ends up being a mentor to the apostle that, that takes the gospel further than any of the other apostles in Paul, and even earlier in the book of Acts, Gamaliel is the guy who speaks these words that we just referenced. You just referenced there, John, yeah. and buys the apostles more time uh, and where the Sanhedrin kind of says, okay, we're going to beat them and let them go and just kind of see how this plays out. Yeah. So now here's a question for you, though. So, oh, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> so... Um, Prescriptive, descriptive, yeah. This oh. is the, this is this tension that, that exists in the book of Acts all the time. What is what is simply a descriptive? Uh, the you know Luke, the historian, theologian, writing about what happened in the early church, and what is prescriptive? Where we're supposed to take something that we see in the book of Acts and actually run with it and apply it to our lives today. 
the Gamaliel option. The, Ga- the Gamaliel oh. Prince, maybe the option. Let's stick this, with that. This is a Rob Dreyer book, it's, too? Yeah, so, yeah. So, Benedict it's Option, that's, that's Rod Dreyer. So, we're, this is the yeah. Gamaliel option. Yeah. Love it. He takes, essentially, a high sovereignty, a, a high view of the sovereignty of God, and low view of human action kind of approach to this. He says, okay, Sanhedrin, we're really upset about what these guys are saying, but let's take our hands off. Let's just let it play out according to the design of God. He essentially says, right, um, if this is of man, it will fail. These guys will die. The movement will end like that's happened before. If it's from God, you won't be able to stop it, which we would all step back and go, that's absolutely true. And as you said, descriptively at a minimum, we see that as um, what has played out. This clearly was of God, and it clearly has not been able to be stopped since. Right. But prescriptive, descriptive, is the Gamaliel option something that we should do in our lives where we take our hands off and just say, you know what, I don't know what to do. If it's of God, it'll succeed. If it's not of God, it'll fail. Oh, wow. Well, no, without, I'll without, put you on the spot. Without revealing too much of my book, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, chapter seven. The, the Gamaliel, Gamaliel option. option. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, There's the nuclear option. There's the Gamaliel option. <laughs> uh, how we love the nuclear option. Um, no, I think, man, like, so, uh, I think the so much of um, the sovereignty of God can get um, overplayed into some things and, like, also simultaneously, like, underplayed. Hmm. Right? So we... we we think so little of the sovereignty of God that it's not even a consideration. Hmm. Uh, we take we love taking things in our own hands, and we love being able to, um, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, by my hand. Um, how, do you, how do you say it? Um, God has a wonderful plan. No, um, God loves you. God and loves you and has a wonderful, and I have a wonderful plan yeah. for your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's that's the thing. It's like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Let me let me do everything I can to um, to ensure those things. And man, like if I'm not guilty of that, it's um, it's 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 such a it's such an obvious thing for me. It's like you know because I, I I do want to hedge my bets. I think humanly speaking, like I want to make sure that like this is going to go well. These things are going to succeed because I, um, you know, because they have implications and I don't like failure and I don't like the awkwardness of, um, not knowing what's next. Hmm. And so, um, so in some ways, like I, I don't want to trust God in that because I, I don't, that requires an aspect of faith. Um, and so I think in some, in some cases, like, there's a lot of wisdom in going like if it's of God like it's going to succeed yeah um, it is going to succeed like he's going to he's going to sustain his people um, you know, is this is this uh, is church going to succeed like it's it's in God's hands um, and we yeah. can put in the effort we need to there but um, you know a, a, a spirit filled effort is like effort working towards something but letting God really uh, be the one who is uh, causing the growth, you know, to kind of borrow that terminology. Like we, we plant and water, but God's the one who causes the growth. Yeah. And so for us as Christians, um, yeah, I think, I think sometimes we need, to, we need to have a perspective on the Gamaliel option 
yeah. and be able to um, take our hands off things and not try to force things. Um, yeah. We need to understand that this world is, is you know, there are evil forces at play. Yeah. And so to fight against those things primarily through prayer, um, second, secondarily through effort, yeah. um, is important. But ultimately, like, God's the one who's going to see these things through. Uh, they will succeed or they will fail based on, like, God's sovereignty in that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to... That was pretty much chapter 7. So That's... You, yeah. There you go. The book will be out in, uh, in late <laughs> August. Wow. That's... So, yeah. You're working. You're working on a fast work, timeline there. Well done. Yeah, it's okay, publishers. Well done. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, um, I think there would be there would be some ways in which you could take, you could take that Gamaliel approach and become too passive. Right. There's, you've. I think. I think it. Where wherever this would be prescriptive, it would have to be prescriptive. I think in my mind with the qualification that you need discernment for the moment. I think big yeah. big picture, you have everything working according to the sovereignty of God in you also have and this is what's always hard to flesh out and, and understand in, in the moment and in reality is like why do some things succeed that seem to be so contrary to the nature and character of God why did the sure. you know um, you know why did Hitler and the Nazis have such rampant success for like a decade before right. before they ultimately did fail and I guess maybe that's the point they ultimately did fail but um, there are certainly things that succeed that you would kind of pull apart and unpack and look underneath and go like, there are things that are antithetical in that to the design of God, the nature of God, the will of God, the, sure. the character of God, and that in, in the sense of, of what he has decreed, what he has said is his design and, and will. Um, and there are things that, and we run into this all the time in the church planting world, where it's good and right to share the gospel and to go into places that need new churches that preach the gospel and establish new churches and then there's many of them that don't make it and fail and you're like well why would that fail when that thing I think clearly was of God so I think where you where you would be inclined to make this Gamaliel option this Gamaliel principle a formula you would have to have that gut check to go like there will be things in this world that succeed that are not of God in the sense of according to the design of God and what he would desire but still under his sovereignty somehow. Right, right. And there would be things in this world that fail that are not merely of man, but that God was in it and that part of God's sovereignty is that it would it would not make it and we maybe will know some of why and maybe won't. But I do think what you said there, John, is really on point that you, we are, most of us are so inclined to exert force to like impose our will and action onto things that there is... I think a lot to be said for stepping back, being patient and saying in the sovereignty of God, this will work out and we can't, we can't do anything that will overrule God's sovereignty. We can't do anything that will that will uh, ultimately lead to a plan that is not the plan of God. And so recognizing our limitedness in that there's an opportunity to, to catch your breath and be patient in certain things um, rather than try to exert yourself when there's not clarity about how to exert yourself. Yeah, I mean, and God grant us that that peace in the midst of um, being patient and waiting and um, praying for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, you know, there's so much I think that 
that we would want to change immediately. Huh. Right? We would want things to, if we had the power and ability, we'd want to, we'd want to change so much. And like the implications of that, even in our our context today, is like you know, so much we would want to change about even like the pandemic and, and the rollouts mm. from all of that. Like we yeah. we certainly want we want things to be different. There's nobody. Um, God help us. There's nobody who wants things to be the way that they are, right? And so, like, um, that patient endurance and God, like, giving us wisdom to, to discern what is right and good in these moments for certain people is something that, you know, you and I and, and, and Steve have been praying for as well. And so, yeah. um, these are these are big, big ideas and ways in which I think that we can even practically... Um, desire these things but not codify right something that we see in scripture and go alright this is how God works but you, you know you talked about that on Sundays like this is how God works let's figure that out let's do these things so that we can get the result that we want yeah um, which I think is just in a way that's it's, it's trying to put God into this explainable box of, of uh, if you do A and B you're going to get C right God never works that way. Like he's not, he's not limited to that, so that he can be manipulated by us, right? God doesn't, God doesn't promise um, C if you do A, a and B. Like yeah. he can't be controlled. Uh, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I heard uh, Paul Tripp say like this: like he's no respecter of persons. Huh. You know, he's he's just uh, he's God. Yeah. I love the way Lewis puts it, right? In the Chronicles of Narnia, you know. Um, he's uh, he's good, but he's not safe. Right. Yeah. Right? And yeah. So, like, I, I always kind of go back to that as this, yeah. like, he is he is this ferocious lion. Yeah. Um, he's not safe, but yeah. he's good. Yeah. And so, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of safety... Matt, you talked about fear huh. uh, and freedom. Yeah. In our remaining time, like, give us something from a uh, from a Bible study group standpoint. Think about as we uh, as we've contemplated uh, Acts chapter five. No yeah. notes while you're driving. No, that's yeah. I, if I could encourage you in your Bible studies, um, I think that those things that fear does in us, um, which, you know, some of them off the top of my head without my notes, um, that protects us from that presumption of thinking that we can figure God out, Mm -hmm. uh, of thinking that we can also mock God. Um, as much as you're willing to be vulnerable about that in your Bible study setting, invite people into those places where you're most inclined to live as if God can't see you or can't, or doesn't know you. You know, where you lie not only to yourself or the people around you, but you would functionally be lying to God by kind of pretending that he doesn't already know what's 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 there in your in your heart. Um, that, I think, is part of, of what the fear of God and, and the recognition of who he actually is and that he sees and knows is meant to do in us. It, of course, uh, helps us perceive the gravity of our sin and resensitizes it, uh, us to our sin. So... Um, even talking about that, like, is there sin, types of sin in your life that you've become more desensitized to? And the account of Ananias and Sapphira resensitizes. Um, those are a couple things um, that maybe would have particular 
more personal uh, implications to talk about in a Bible study setting about about fear in particular. Maybe even all the way down to like, where are you just most inclined to have like a uh, an improper, irreverent view of God because you're more wishing He was created in your image than than you being created in His. Mm. Um, and fleshing that out a little bit in, in more discussion, I think that would be really really fruitful. Um, and then when it comes to freedom. Uh, we'll come back to some of that. There's just so many different chapters that get into the, the boldness and the, the courage and the cost of telling the truth. That's, a, that's an upcoming uh, sermon a couple weeks from now as we continue on in the book of Acts. So, I mean, certainly getting into the, the fear of man type issues there. Um, but I think maybe just even thinking about, um, you know, we're not facing necessarily imprisonment as the constraint uh, upon us. But what are some of those constraints that you would experience from a cultural standpoint, from a discouragement standpoint? I think one that gets overlooked all the time is you know, the, the real people and the real relationships we have with people that we love deeply who don't agree with us, but not only don't agree with us, but think that we are actually hateful toward them or others. Like That's where some of the cost of this really starts to play out in our, in our lives. So um, as you think about being set free from those constraints and what true freedom really is being your life being hidden in Christ um, you're you're being able to throw aside the weight of sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you that's the kind of thing that um, you know talking about how you experience that currently in your own life how you anticipate maybe you're going to experience that more and pressing each other to be people who not only endure which is also, which is so critical, but 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 who are joyful in the endurance, because you know God knows um, it's one thing to endure and just be bitter and just be like a person Jonah. that that yeah that that like is there at the end and still has their faith intact at the end, but it's just like angry and cynical and bitter and you know um, you've probably met somebody like that in your life maybe some of you recognize that it's who you are who you're becoming or that that is in you i know gosh as i look at my own life the the proclivity to be cynical and become bitter is certainly there and you know god god grant me grace to, to fight against that that trajectory um but how do we become people who rejoice in the endurance and who actually like the apostles can say things like you know praise be to god that when we're counted worthy to to suffer dishonor for the name of jesus no, that's good. Yeah, it's uh, man. I hope you guys have a really uh, great time this week as you have these discussions in your Bible studies. Uh, if any questions do come up, we'd love to discuss those with you. Maybe even talk about those questions on the next B Side podcast. But uh, grateful to be with you guys. Hope you have a great week. See you.